0: Welcome in Hoop fans, this is episode 6 of Pick and Pod, WFUV's basketball podcast. I am Andrew Posadas, and of course this week, pleased to be joined alongside someone that I love doing Pick and Pod with, we've done so many episodes already, Kelly Bright. Kelly, live from Fordham Softball's locker room, I have to add, because obviously people can't see this Zoom meeting right now, but Kelly, you are live from the locker room coming out of practice and now doing the podcast I mean, student-athlete, I don't think that's appropriate. You are just a superstar, right?
1: Oh, Andrew, that's, that's much <laughs> too kind. First of all, like you said, I love doing the show with you. So glad to be back. It's been a minute now. It's been a minute now. I know I'm back, obviously, at school practicing. You're back calling games for basketball. So it's just good to be back in business and, and back on campus. And I know things aren't fully normal yet, but, you know, we're starting to get closer and closer to feeling – kind of like it used to be before this whole pandemic thing took over. But, yes, I am in the locker room. Hopefully the Wi-Fi works for the the duration of this show. But all in all, just glad to be back.
0: Again, it's like that Herb and Peaches song, Reunited, and it feels so good. Kelly and I (laughs) back to talk basketball. And, Kelly, let's start off with, with the news on Monday night. Obviously a really good game in Atlanta between the Hawks. And the Lakers, yet that was overshadowed by some fan interaction, if you will, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Let's just put it like this. Uh, We'll start with the couple in question, Juliana and Chris Carlos, if I'm not mistaken. uh, They were in attendance courtside for that game, and apparently the husband, Chris, had some words throughout the game with LeBron James. And at one point, LeBron did not like what he said. LeBron game said that it was something out of bounds. He did not specify what Chris Carlos said to him. LeBron had some words in exchange. And then Juliana Carlos with a friend posting and, and going live on Instagram, I believe, putting it right up. Some, in, some words were exchanged between him and, and Miss Carlos. And then Kelly, all, next thing we know, The ushers are coming in. Security is coming in for State Farm Arena. And they kick out the couple. And then she goes on Instagram afterwards and just kind of basically just bashes LeBron, uh, says that words were exchanged. She said she wasn't going to let... Uh, LeBron talked to her husband that way. It was just a complete mess. It was all over social media. People have now given her the name Courtside Karen uh, for her antics. She's still been on social media. Uh, Our producer, Bridge Gowdom, just told me right now on a latest post, uh, she's put up a compilation of LeBron James uh, just saying, blocked by James. And and again, uh, Kelly, this is just so bizarre. I'm happy to see fans back in the stands. I know the Hawks are one of nine teams bringing fans back, but this just isn't it. This isn't the interaction we want. Kelly, what were your initial thoughts watching this this interaction between Juliana and Chris Carlos and LeBron James?
1: You know, to me, we just talked about things getting back to normal, and honestly, fans are part of the game and, and they're meant to be part of the game. And that's, it's definitely been such a big part of what's been missing from basketball, you know, for these past, you know, 10, 12 months. And (laughs) if this is how they're going to have to come back, this is how they're going to have to come back with courtside. Karen, I was, I was on Twitter when all this was going down and Lakers SB Nation already put out uh, merchandise and gear that says, don't be a courtside Karen. And I'm, I'm this close from going and buying a sweatshirt because that is too funny. And, and it, it was ridiculous. And I think in, in this situation, if you're lucky enough to be a fan at one of these games, especially given how long it's been since fans are allowed, come on, like just act like you're supposed to, you know, appreciate the moment. Don't go back and forth with, Literally one of the greatest players of all time because you're not going to win that fight. There's no point. No one's going to back you up. And you know it was. It's funny. Richard Jefferson went and liked a bunch of her posts on Instagram, and some of the players were giving him, you know, giving him trouble for that. And uh, it, it's funny. It's comical. And it's just classic NBA Twitter fuel to the fire. Um, but like, like I said, taking. The, I know she was. She wouldn't put her mask on. There was stuff like that. Like yep. at the end of the day. If you're going to be a fan in the pandemic, you've got to, you know, you have to abide by these state health and safety protocols. If you're going to chirp, that I guess that's part of the whole experience, but but don't make it so that you have to get kicked out. Don't make it so that you're putting people's health in danger. So I think I think LeBron was right in calling this woman a courtside Karen. I can fully get behind that, and, and hopefully fans can learn from this experience and, and appreciate uh, getting to sit courtside. <laughs> Uh, in the
0: future. Yeah, this is, it's interesting because I'm not against hecklers. Uh, there are right. fans who heckle, but I think there's, there's a line there in the sand where there's appropriate heckling. And then when you step over that line, like LeBron James said, whatever Chris Carlos said to him, it, it was out of bounds. And I think there is, a line you have to teeter there where you can heckle and kind of say, Hey, you know, you you ain't nothing. You know, we're going to get you the next possession. Look at that air ball. I think there's, there's fun and jest in that sort of heckling. But, but when you make it personal and again, LeBron is, you know, he's a, he's the type of guy, he's not going to tell you, Oh, he said this and he's, he's not going to tell all, I mean, LeBron's going to keep that to himself and and he's going to say the right things because he's not going to go beneath himself uh, against a guy who clearly was probably inebriated, had a few, Talking out of his mouth and again, probably signing checks that he can't cash if him and LeBron were actually face to face alone with nobody around. I think for his sake, you know, that that's good on his part. But again, there are fans who would love that seat right there to just watch basketball, watch Trey Young battle LeBron A D, and just see two good teams go back and forth because it was a competitive game going into the fourth quarter. Again, the Hawks were up, if I'm not mistaken. So that just kind of gets ruined when the refs have to stop the game to get this woman to get this couple escorted out. I mean, it really just is. It's a bad look, especially when there are fans out there watching from home saying, man, if I were in those seats, I would be enjoying myself. They'd have no reason to kick me out. And then to continue going on and then to say something like, I'll bleep you up and calling him a bleeping loser. I mean, Again, you're writing checks that, again, if your husband has to hear this, and now what if LeBron were to say, okay, let's have a one-on-one then. You guys are talking trash. Let's do it. Is the husband really going to do that with LeBron James? Probably not. He's not about that action. He's more of a chirper than an actual, you know, a a fighter, I'd imagine, because – Kelly, for you to say something to make LeBron James that upset, I mean, you have to say something personal. It has to be some sort of vitriol that you're spewing out. Uh, I'm sure LeBron wouldn't have overreacted if it wasn't something in the nature of, you know, maybe something personal, whatever the case may be. But but I can't fault LeBron for being upset if he felt like he was offended, you know, by this guy.
1: I mean, like you said, this is LeBron we're talking about. He's a kid from Akron. He's he's definitely hurt it all. So, And he's been in the league for how many years now? So, yeah, in order to in order to really get to him, you've definitely got to be, you got to push the limits and you, and you got to be pretty annoying. But she, she's really embarrassing herself by continuing this on Instagram and putting that montage up and, and just all that. Because LeBron even, they asked him about it after the game and he was, kinda, he was very relaxed about it. He said, at the end of the day, I'm happy fans are back in the building. I miss that interaction. I need that interaction. We as players need that interaction. I don't think it was warranted to be kicked out. So he even said, he didn't even think they deserved to be kicked out. So the fact that, This woman felt the need to go on Instagram and continue bashing him and continue this little fight. I think this is, to me, in my opinion, it seems like someone who just wants for 15 minutes of fame and wants to be in the spotlight a little bit more. And what better way to do that than to come at the most popular and most followed player, maybe in all sports, but at least the NBA.
0: Yeah, she wanted everyone to know that she was also 25 years old. Don't know why making a point of emphasis. I mean, you're 25, you're 25. We're not here checking IDs. Oh, yeah, again. But as you mentioned earlier, she had her mask down. I think more importantly, importantly amid this pandemic knowing how many people have been affected by the coronavirus to just pull your mask down and yell again that was something you know Frank Vogel said you know you obviously can't have fans taking their masks down and shouting at our players while the virus is out there during these times and that's correct if you get that privilege to come back and watch an NBA game you have to understand that you have to adhere to the health and safety protocols no matter what's happening if you have something to say to LeBron James keep your mask and yell a little bit louder than uh, if that's the case, if you really have something to say, but putting your mask down, you're putting other people at risk. And again, you're making a fool of yourself. At the end of the day, this couple now, they look foolish. It's not LeBron James. He's not waking up and thinking about this now. That's not on his mind. So again, uh, love seeing fans back, but, but just act mature and be there to watch basketball. Don't Don't go there with an agenda or some sort of malice intent to be like, yeah, I'm going to heckle LeBron and say these things. That's just, that isn't it. I mean, enjoy basketball for what it is. You can heckle, heckle appropriately, but, but Kelly, I think the 15 minutes of fame is correct. That's all they're going to get. And after today, and after this episode drops, we'll never speak of them again.
1: And you said it before, you know, heckle appropriately. And if she's 25, act your age, act your age. Come on. And And you're right, I I don't even think we should continue talking about it because I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what she wants.
0: Yeah, so let's move on from that uh, disaster that was. Obviously, that took place in Atlanta at State Farm Arena. And Kelly, from what we're hearing now, an all-star game is imminent. Woj has reported a little bit earlier Tuesday afternoon that the NBA and its Players Association are progressing toward an agreement for an All-Star game on March 7th at State Farm Arena. It'd be a single-night event that goes between the game, between both Eastern and Western conferences, and skills competitions. Now, it wasn't made specific if all three skills competitions will be there in a single night. We're talking the three-point shooting contest, the dunk contest, and obviously the skills challenge. But again, Kelly, it seems like all signs are pointing to a one-night all-star event. It would not be the traditional weekend that we would see. And again, the NBA has a midseason break. It's set between March 5th and the 10th. So it'd be right smack dab in the middle of that. Everyone seems confident that this will happen. So Kelly, if we do have an all-star night extravaganza, what are you looking forward to most?
1: Listen, Andrew, I, I go back and forth with whether or not this game is a good idea. And I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. But, you know, in this scenario, that I guess best case or worst case, whichever side you're on, that it does happen. I, I think it's great for the game because at the end of the day, this league is a league of all-stars. It's a league where you follow players. You don't necessarily follow a team. And it's just great to see some of the, the best talents in the game, you know, the, just how the game's progressed. Some of the players that we have right now, we're really honestly lucky as fans to be witnessing. So uh, I'm excited to see that game, It, it to have in a Western Conference, Eastern Conference game, um, first and foremost. You know, I, I, we can get into this a little bit more, but I have some pretty uh, – I have – Pretty confident in my picks for who I think should be all stars on both sides, including reserves. But I'm very excited for the dunk contest. And let me let me tell you why. First of all, I think the dunk contest is one of the most fun things that you can watch on TV. I, I absolutely love it. It's you know, you think about you grow up watching basketball, you grow up playing basketball. What do you and your friends do? You're always talking about dunking. I I'm five foot eight. I have a maybe, maybe 22 inches on a good day. And you uh, my dream is still to dunk a basketball. It's never gonna happen, but that is just one of the most fun things that you could do with sports. And I remember watching last year's, it was actually, uh, I was in my training for hosting one-on-one and it was right when the dunk contest happened. So we spent a huge segment on it. And I remember Aaron Gordon got screwed. Aaron Gordon jumped over Taco Fall and still, still lost to Derek Jones Jr. He's, he's recorded eight perfect 50s, which is the most in Slam Dunk Contest history, and he still didn't get the win last year. And I know last year he said, oh, it's a wrap and that he wasn't coming back. But if he could just come back one more time, maybe for the sake of giving fans a good show after we've had to suffer through these on and off seasons during COVID, I would love to see him come back and avenge his title I don't care who it's against, but I would love to have Aaron Gordon come back and see if there's anything else. I don't know how you get better than jumping over Taco Fall, but hopefully uh, – I just love to see if there's anything else he has in his arsenal.
0: Yeah, uh, this is interesting because obviously, as you mentioned, at, at, on one side – you know, the travel is going to be difficult. You're asking a lot of guys, you know, guys like LeBron, AD, they're going to have to come from the West coast. Uh, You think about, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, having to come down from the Northeast to come to ATL for one night and then go back and have to go through the protocols and make sure that they test negative before the second half of the season begins. And again, that's going to require significant travel and, The game, obviously we mentioned Atlanta is one of the nine cities allowing fans in limited capacity. So you're going to have fans in there. I imagine while limited, there'll still be fans. So again, there are risks there amid the pandemic, but we're, if we're just talking straight basketball, I have a few notes and they're just very simple. If the NBA wants my attention. So Adam Silver, everyone involved, league officials, if you want me and other basketball fans to enjoy this one-night-only All-Star event. few things. Bradley Beal is an All-Star, or we just revolt. And I'm not talking about what those dummies did down in the nation's count. I'm just talking about on social media. We just don't watch the game because Bradley Beal is playing his butt off. I mean, he's leading the league in scoring. And just God bless him because the rest of the team – I mean, Russell Westbrook, if we could see more of what we saw against the Nets, if they could just play the, the Brooklyn Nets – for the rest of the season, I think Russell Westbrook would go right into the MVP. Con- Him and Bradley Beal probably finished first and second in the MVP race. But again, with how bad that team is and how lost the franchise just seems to be right now at this point, and Bradley Beal still doesn't want to be traded. The reports have come out. Um, from Shams, uh, he he's saying that Bradley Beal doesn't want out of DC uh, as of now. So again, God bless him for wanting to stay in that dumpster fire that is. And and I don't care that their record is bad. The all-star game is about the best players from the respective conferences playing and earning their spot. Bradley Beal has done more than his fair share already. I mean, we still have some games left, but on the pace that he's on, He should be – if he's not a starter, I mean, he's going to have a huge argument to be a starter. And if he's not – if he's just not on the team, I'm not watching. And, again, just two more things. The three-point contest, we need Steph to go. Because after what happened with Steph with the injuries and and how the Warrior season just kind of unraveled with all the injuries and everything included, having Steph in that three-point contest with how good he is, imagine a a three-point contest Steph, Dame, Devin Booker, throw Joe Harris in there. I mean, there's just so many snipers. That would be amazing in itself. I think that would be absolutely dope. And then finally, you talk about the dunk contest. And again, I'm leaving another ultimatum here for Adam Silver. If you cannot convince Zion Williamson to get in this dunk contest, you lose me. I will shut the television off for that half hour I will switch it to ESPN. I don't know what day that falls on the 7th. If it's a Friday, I'll watch Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives on the Food Network. I'll watch Comedy Central. The office is always always being re-aired on Comedy Central. I will find something else aside from that dunk contest if Zion isn't in it. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So I think if they can make it work and get, these certain names, especially in the skills competitions, I think the all-star game, I think the voting will work itself out. We'll get two great teams and guys who are deserving. But those skills competitions, are, they're key, Kelly, because you need to have certain guys there to push that and promote it and build it up. Because I think we both can agree that I think people have kind of soured on, on some of these contests because not everybody wants to participate in them.
1: And hear me out, You, you, the two names you just listed are two names that I also wrote down as people I wanted to see. Hear me out, three-point contest, obviously you have Seth Curry. Match him up against Seth Curry. Let's get a little brother-to-brother action. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Like Seth it. Curry, yeah, Seth Curry, he's been lights out as usual. And here's another person I'd like to see in the three-point contest, CJ McCollum. I know you're big on Dame, but CJ – he leads the league in threes per game this year. He's having a career best year, shooting 44% from behind the arc. I'd love to see him in that contest. And then you mentioned Zion Williamson, and I mouthed it as you said it because I knew exactly <laughs> where you were going. Because he's still, I think he's a player who still hasn't lived up to his hype. But a lot of that hype, came because of the crazy dunks we've seen him do since he was like 13. I remember seeing videos of him that were viral when he was a freshman, sophomore year in high school, 360s, throwing it down. It looks like he's going to break the backboard every time he he dunks the ball. So I think you have to have Zion Williamson in that dunk contest. Maybe even Ben Simmons. He kind of joked about it last year. He's definitely got the athleticism. We've seen him have some crazy dunks in games he's a very energetic player so that's another person i'd love to see and you mentioned bradley beal how do you not give this man how do you not give this man at all an all-star bit i mean he has nothing else <laughs> he has nothing else to, to go for at this point i mean you watched him in that game uh and they won and he still looks so dejected throughout the game you just saw his facial expressions I oh, just feel for the guy because you know He's leading the league in scoring again, and he led the league in scoring last year, but his team was just so bad that he didn't get picked to be an all-star. And I think you have to make up for that this year. And, and Andrew, one other name that I wanted to get your opinion on, we talked about this on One on One this weekend. Not Jason Tatum, but Jalen Brown as an all-star in the East, getting his first All-Star, all-star bid, all-star nomination. I think he deserves it more so than, than Jason Tatum at this point. What do you think?
0: No, I would say Jason Tatum had to sit out, obviously, because of COVID-19 protocols. He had to sit out, and I guess because of that, Jalen Brown was kind of able to emerge and really take on that primary scoring option. And we know defensively, I mean, he is just a hound. I mean, he goes after the team's best perimeter player, and he locks them down. Jalen Brown is emerging as one of the best two-way players. When you talk about best two-way players, you're talking Kawhi Leonard, you're talking Paul George, Klay Thompson when he's healthy, and Jalen Brown now, his name has to be put in that conversation as he continues to ascend into being a star. And I know you love you some Boston Celtics, and I think having both of these guys, when you think about how lethal offensively Jason Tatum can be and pairing him with a two-way star like Jalen Brown, that's the recipe right there for Coach Brad Stevens and and the Boston Celtics. But, no, I I do agree. Jalen Brown has played enough. I mean, if they give Jason Tatum – the all-star not, I think it'd be more so because of the fan voting and that type of stuff. But we're talking stats and the number of games you've played and what you've been able to produce Jalen Brown is right there. He deserves a spot. And I would imagine that he'll probably get one of those reserve roles. Uh, We know that with some of the better teams, you know, the top four, top five teams, they usually get that second all-star, sometimes a third all-star because of the success winning. It's difficult because the voting is, you know, sometimes they go with, you know, if you have a great record, we're going to reward you. And then for some of the guys who are putting up crazy stats and the record doesn't reflect that, you know, they don't get, you know, that, you know, sympathetic vote or just that, you know, because again, the all-star game is about the best players from the Eastern and the Western Conference. Regardless, I mean records, I guess you can put that into account. But Kelly, I think at the end of the day, those who are putting up the best numbers statistically and who are having the biggest impact offensively and defensively, those are the guys that deserve to be there. And Bradley Beal, even with that poorest record, that the Wizards have and they're heading right down to a top five pick. So maybe it won't be that bad for Bradley Beal. If he gets Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma state, either way, he deserves to be an all-star. And I hope that the voters, particularly the media, and I believe the coaches have votes too, that they understand that and that they give Bradley Beal his flowers because he deserves it.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And one thing to remember is when you're voting for all-stars it's you're not voting for the MVP And, and the MVP is what most valuable player and it's about somebody who's who's making their team better and making their team successful. So in that regard, I understand that you can't look at a player, even if they're leading the league in, in every category, if their team's not doing well, then clearly their value to their team is not at that elite level to be voted as an MVP. But if we're talking all-stars, it's like you mentioned, it's, it's about stats. It's about how many points you're putting up per night. It's about, you know, your quality of play d- day in and day out and how you individually, you know, are, are you one of the top, 10, 15 players in the league. And I think you're right. I think Bradley Beal has completely solidified himself as one of those top 10, maybe even top five players in the league at this point. And he, he deserves that bit I mean, there's some names who you know every year are, are LeBron James. Uh, he's an obvious one. I would say, yeah. you know, Kawhi Leonard. Obvious. Joel Bean at this point. Obvious. But, you know, I, I think Bradley Beal. I would say he's obvious this year. I think he's someone he he deserves to be a starter in the all-star game. And hopefully the fans get it right. And the voting process, I I think I don't fully understand uh, for the NBA NBA all-star game because it is pretty convoluted. But hopefully the fans and the coaches and whoever else is involved in those decisions gets it right.
0: Now, yeah, you mentioned the Eastern Conference and and some of the automatics, Giannis, you know, Embiid, uh, as as you mentioned – Ben Simmons also as well. But again, Bradley Beal deserves to be there. I mean, you, you can't tell me that you can find, I don't know if the rosters are 12 to 13, but it, you'd be hard-pressed to find 11 other guys who are, bre- who are better or more deserving of an all-star nod than Bradley Beal. And three all-star spots in the Eastern Conference could go to the Brooklyn Nets with that trio of Kyrie Irving James Harden, and of course, Kevin Durant, who is also in the MVP conversation with his comeback season. Kelly, I want to move over now to the Brooklyn Nets because it's this. I don't think we see this enough in basketball, but the Brooklyn Nets are on pace to have the greatest offense in NBA history. Yet, Kelly, they're also on pace to have the worst defense in NBA history. And again, right now, the Nets, what are we talking about? The Nets at the moment, they're third in the Eastern Conference. They're 13 and nine. But, but this is the thing right here. Their opponents' points per game. The Brooklyn Nets are giving up 118 points per game. I believe that's 27th or 28th right now in the NBA at the bottom. And they have a top five offense. Kelly, make, make this make sense for me. How are the Nets going to win and capture an NBA title with, I mean, we obviously understand the offenses there and how potent they are, but how are the Nets going to win a title at the end of the day with a defense this horrid?
1: Andrew, that, that's a million-dollar question. And it's one thing, you know, people always say this is an offensive league. It, it, it favors teams that have strong offenses and that, and that can score and have multiple threats on offense, multiple top-ten-level threats on offense. But that's assuming that your defense isn't the worst in the league. And, and like you said, right now, the Brooklyn Nets have a defense that's arguably the worst in the league, if not bottom two, bottom three. And they need to they need to address the issue. And I don't think at this point it's going to come from within. I think they're going to have to find another addition to bring on this team. And they do have some space to be able to do that, especially with some of those options they got from the Spencer Didwitty being out early this season. and you just look at this team and, and who's on the roster when they got rid when they cleared house, got rid of Jared Allen, especially, but Kara Silverton, a few other players, they lost so much of their depth and so much of what made this team special heading into the season. And yes, you get James Harden, who I think has played unbelievably. And honestly, he's played better than I expected him to do, especially just as a teammate, he's leading the league in assists, 11 assists per game. So I, I offensively, this team has no problems. And so I think, what, what this front office needs to do is to go out and find somebody who's purely going to be able to help you on defense, who is purely going to be able to give some of these stars a little bit of rest in a defensive situation in the game, just go in and at least, you know, if not stop, if not stop the other team, at least make it hard. I mean, the Washington Wizards scored 48 points in the fourth <laughs> quarter. 48 points in the fourth quarter. And we're talking about the Washington Wizards, who have been a joke this season. They've been a joke this season. You know, and they were trailing by 18 at one point. So you can't do that against some of these wor- – you can't do that against a team that's worse than the league because what are you going to do when you get to the playoffs and, and you're facing teams with, you know, especially with stronger big men than the Washington Wizards have, Who and I think the four and five spot are really where they're struggling defensively. You've you got to find an answer, and I think there are, there are some players – who are on the market and, and we'll get into this more who, who they should look at i know they just signed imam imam shupert which maybe that addresses a little bit of your perimeter defensive need but i don't know if that's necessarily going to be enough but but they have to make a move they have to do something
0: yeah kelly i'm tr- still trying to wrap my mind about this the washington wizards have four wins this season they're four and 12 half of those wins too are against the brooklyn nets go figure and again I would chalk up that loss Monday night to maybe, you know, Russell Westbrook just going out of his mind having that motivation, being redemption Russ and revenge Russ and retribution Russ, whatever adjective you want to put in front of his name. But you could tell he had he, had, he was playing with a huge chip on his shoulder. He he wanted to be KD. I don't know why it's very uh, minuscule at this point. You know, this is a regular season game. I'm sure KD wasn't taking it as serious, but the bigger problem is this. The Brooklyn Nets, it's great that you can put up 140 points per game. You can put up NBA 2K numbers. But when your defense is also giving up 140 points, I mean, that basically cancels out everything you've done on offense. All those beautiful pick and rolls, the open three-point shots, the dunks, the alley-oops, all that glitter and glam that we're seeing on that side, it's moot. If you can't do anything on the defensive end and at least string together some stops, especially down the you know down the stretch and clutch time, Bradley Beal hits that huge three at the top of the key. Joe Harris kind of panics, throws the ball to the side to the side. He thought KD was going to be there. KD cuts inside, and, and then from there it gets saved, and then Russell Westbrook hits a three. So I mean, maybe some luck and some things had to happen there. But the bigger picture is this: you mentioned trading for James Harden and the haul that they gave up. Karis LeVert and and Torian Prince, they have size and wingspan at their positions. They can guard multiple positions. You lose two guys like that. And then we mentioned Jared Allen, and I I love Jared Allen. I love his game. He is a walking double-double and a guy that if he continues on this trajectory, he can be a defensive player of the year. I mean, it might not be in Cleveland. He might have to go elsewhere to a contender. But I I could see that in Jared Allen's future, and I'm sure that Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets were – were very heartbroken to have to part ways with him in getting James Harden to Brooklyn. But I think this is where the buyout market is probably the Nets' best friend. I don't think they're going to be able to make any trades But we keep hearing names like Andre Drummond, you know, guys from Cleveland alongside Jared Allen, Andre Drummond. Kevin Love is somebody that people are saying might get moved. JaVale McGee, somebody else who might get bought out. I mean, Cleveland is just filled with a bunch of bigs that they do not need uh, other than maybe Jared Allen and arguably Kevin Love if you just want to keep him there because he's just been a mainstay. But again, if the Nets can get themselves either JaVale McGee, if they can get themselves Andre Drummond, Th- they're going to be a problem because that size now, now you can move DeAndre Jordan, have him come off the bench and be the primary big for the second unit. He plays less minutes and he'll be more efficient that way. And then Andre Drummond, I mean, that size with him, KD, I mean, Joe Harris. And then you talk about Kyrie and and, and James Harden. And Spencer Dinwiddie continues to be out there taking shots. I, he desperately wants to come back. And imagine if he could come back for a postseason run, Kelly, that team's going to be scary. If they can get a big like that, they're going to be scary. Now, will they? We have to find out. Andre Drummond, I mean, is is Cleveland going to buy him out for that $23, $24 million? That's going to be something they have to stretch out. I don't know how they're going to make that work. But if the Nets can steal a big, a serviceable big man – I think that changes everything for their defense and something they desperately need right now because we're talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. That's the number one defense right now in the NBA. And even the New York Knicks, they, I mean, they only allow their second in points allowed right now, right behind the Lakers. So if you're the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, everyone talks about defense winning championships. And I wouldn't say that's always the case. But, Kelly, you have to have at least a – average to above average defense to compensate and kind of allow your spectacular offense to take you to a title.
1: Oh, exactly. You know, defense, defense might not win you championships, but it certainly helps. And they're definitely going to make, they're, they're going to need to make a move now. I agree. I think Andre Drummond would be, he would be the best option by far. I think if you look at, at who's available and he he's wouldn't hurt you on offensive either. You know, his stat line right now, 18.5 points per game, 47% shooting from the field. That's not bad for someone who would definitely be an upgrade for them on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's allowing respectable point eight points per possession right now. So that's definitely an option. However, are they going to have enough to pick up somebody like that, especially, I'm pretty sure there's a few other teams who are also eyeing him. So you got to ask that question. Is that enough? That being said, let me throw out a name here. And this is a super hot take, and it might be a bit extreme. But let's say they can't get Andre Andre Drummond. Who do they go to? This, again, hot take, Mo Bamba. You know, his offense isn't great, but that's not what the Nets need right now. They just need someone to go in there and and defend some of these these teams that have these all-star bigs. And Bamba, he's seven seven feet tall. He's got a seven foot ten wingspan, and that gives him incredible two-way potential. So maybe for a very low price, you bring him in for just this season until you maybe get Spencer Didwitty back or you find a longer term option. And maybe it's not Mo Bamba, but maybe it's somebody like him where they just have that size and they have defensive potential. And just to try something out, because clearly they need to find an answer. Because if you look at the teams that are really going to be uh, in competition with them coming down into the postseason, most of these teams have an elite big, an elite four or five, that they're going to have to find someone to go up against.
0: Yeah, I would say this. I'm sure if Sean Marks could pull the trigger and get Mobamba up to Brooklyn, he would in a heartbeat. I think Orlando probably thinks on the side of, you know, he's a project, he's young, we're going to continue developing him. They have Vucevic, so, I mean, at this point, Mobamba doesn't get the minutes he probably would want. But again, I think for Orlando, that's more of a project. So I don't see that. But I'm sure if Sean Marks had pulled the trigger on that, he would love to bring, you know, a a young guy who has a lot of upside – you know, with that size and that wingspan in Mobamba, I think realistically, if they can't get Andre Drummond or even JaVale McGee, you know, a name I think of is Hassan Whiteside. You know, he's with the Kings right now. He went back to Sacramento, but he's really not doing much there. He's coming off the bench. I think, you know, in short bursts, you know, if you give him 20 minutes a game, I think he has shown that he can be efficient. He's a rim protector, you know, a guy who can get you double figures in scoring if need be. He's a perennial double-double guy. I think it's just always been about personality with Hassan And him, you know, not really meshing well and having to go from team to team. I think that says a lot about, you know, uh, maybe him as a teammate and as somebody in that locker room. But again, if you're looking to win a championship and you need a rim protector, if you're the Nets, you have to exhaust all your options and see who you can get and who is there realistically for you because of all the trade capital that you've already given away in the James Harden trade. I mean, if if you can, you can mortgage, you can continue mortgaging draft picks. But I'm sure Sean Marks, and Steve Nash and the entire franchise is going to wait, see who gets bought out, and then kind of work from there before the trade deadline. Kelly, I do want to wrap things up. And again, for the book and so they'll be facing the Clippers tonight. So Kelly, that's going to be a test for that defense. I forgot before I was going to start wrapping up. They're going to welcome Kawhi, Paul George, and that Clippers team who is right now one of the best offenses in basketball, one of the best three-point shooting teams, you know. And you mentioned you added Kennard and Serge Ibaka, I remember that in our season preview, mm-hmm. they've been great from beyond the arc. So it's starting to work for, for Coach Lou and the Clippers. So if you're the Brooklyn Nets, it's not going to get any easier. If you gave up 140-plus points to the, to the Washington Wizards, I can only imagine that the Los Angeles Clippers are licking their chops right now thinking that they could drop, what, 175? Because that Brooklyn defense, I mean, they're getting beat up. I mean, they're basically Swiss cheese right now at this point.
1: And the Clippers, <laughs> and the Clippers, you know, they just beat the Knicks, 129, 115. And you just mentioned the Knicks have one of the better defenses in the league, and they scored and they put up one hundred twenty nine. So imagine what they could do to a team like the Brooklyn Nets. And, and you just mentioned, you know, the players on, and, and just the combination of, of this team right now, the Clippers, they just look pretty much unbeatable right now. They've won 10 out of 11 games, ninth straight win when they had both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George playing. And like you mentioned, great three point shooting, just, just ridiculous. They, they're shooting off the charts. And it's not just Kawhi and Paul George, it's the rest of their team, too. And I think that's a huge credit to Ty Lue, who, if you remember correctly, I said would be a great candidate for coach of the year. And, and Andrew, <laughs> it wouldn't be a pick and pod podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about some of our picks from earlier this year and we have a little bit of a wager going we have a little bit of a bet there there is starbucks coffee on the line here (laughs) And, and you said you said that damian lillard and the trailblazers would finish with a better record than joel Embiid and the 76ers and in case you needed reminding the sixers now have the eastern conference's best record so i would just like to say as of right now, I am right and you are wrong and I can't wait for free Starbucks in in a few months. All
0: right. So for the for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Kelly and I and I just you know we just decided I think it was after the season preview we were we were texting back and forth about the episode and the friendly wager just came. I mean, Kelly was all in on the Sixers. I was all in on the Blazers. So we were like, all right, whoever finishes better, you know, the loser has to buy the winner Starbucks. And I love me not only, you know, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but again, the Starbucks brownies, you know, the pastries, the whole bakery <laughs> aspect of it, that, that I can get behind. So that's my motivation in hopefully getting a brownie from Starbucks. But as Kelly mentioned, I mean, we talk about the Clippers and the Lakers as some of the best teams, right now in the NBA, well, the Philadelphia 76ers first place in the Eastern Conference. And As for the Blazers, I mean, they're hanging in there. I mean, it's Dame and who? Everybody's hurt. Everyone, there's an injury bug that's going around and touching people and just hurting everyone. CJ McCollum's (laughs) out for a few more weeks. Nurkic has a fractured wrist. He won't be reevaluated until like a month. Zach Collins, who knows when he's coming back. He's been injured for like the last two years. Dame is having to do this by himself, and they're still in eighth place in 10 and 9. And let me tell you this, Kelly, because I will say this. They're just Well, they're four and a half back of second place. So if they go on a run, if Dame can will them like he did against the Bulls and get that game winner and just put this team on his back, they'll be right there in the thick of things. And then, you know, I'll feel confident. But right now, it's all you. You can enjoy this, right? You're winning at – we're not even at the midpoint. This is like the quarter point. So after the first quarter, Kelly Bright is up right now by at least, you know, this is like a double-digit lead after the first quarter. I'm down. Hopefully Dame can bring me back and resurrect me and and have this be, you know, at least a competitive wager because – The Blazers, they can't play defense either. We're talking about teams who can't play defense. The Blazers don't play a lick of defense either. And Doc Rivers, I mentioned, I didn't pick him for coach of the year, but I said it would be ironic for Doc after getting fired and kind of being cast aside as the blame for why the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead for him to turn around the Sixers and actually make it work with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I mean, he's going to be in the Coach of the Year discussion right now. Him and Ty Lue, I think, are right there neck and neck for Coach of the Year. So, again, Kelly, enjoy this right now because you're up. But, again, Dame Lillard, I'll never count him out as long as his clock works and he knows what time it is. Hopefully the Blazers bounce back. But, again, it does look like, Kelly, it looks like you're right in prime position to win yourself whatever you want from Starbucks. I'm not sure what your favorite is, but – uh, again, you are right where you need to be because uh, as you correctly predicted, the Sixers have been phenomenal so far this season.
1: Uh, they really have. And I, even though I predicted them to have a great season, I could not have predicted how well some of these players have stepped up. Joel Embiid being the obvious one. I mean, he's playing out of his mind, averaging 28 points, 11 rebounds, shooting over 54% from, from the field, over 40% from three. And, and finally – the 76ers just proved that they can win without him for the first time in that crazy game of the Pacers. And I think that game really showcased how important doc rivers is to this team, deciding to switch into zone in the fourth quarter, which is something that does not happen often in a two, three zone, but they were, they were able to come back from a 15 point deficit or they, I'm sorry, to hold the Pacers to 15 points in that fourth quarter and come back and win that game without Joel and beach. They, They've proven that some of their lower guys, some of their second unit rotation can step up. Tobias Harris has played so well. He's looked great. Uh, You know, you just look, even Shake Milton, you know, he's a third-year guard coming off the bench. He's been playing really well. He's averaging 14 points per game coming off the bench. And if you look at some of the success that some of these lower-ranked players have had under Doc Rivers, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, They've all won, all won six Man of the Year awards under Doc Rivers as a coach. So I think it's just a testament to how good of a coach he really is. And I think it kind of leaves you a question mark as to whether or not he was truly the issue with the Clippers last season because he's doing some pretty amazing things with Philadelphia. And, and Andrew, it might be too soon, but I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it and run with it and hope that it's sustainable for the rest of the season.
0: No, I'm not conceding yet. Continue (laughs) counting the votes. Don't stop the votes. But no, all joking aside, no, kudos to to Doc Rivers and what he's done. You mentioned, I mean, they added, you mentioned uh, his name, Seth Curry. They added him. He's been a spark for them they needed perimeter shooting they added him danny green who like he just alternates one year he's amazing from the three and then the next year he's shooting 35 percent and this just so happens to be a really really good start for danny green he's provided that and i talk about serviceable big men that you can bring off the bench white howard you know the lakers lost him and they've kind of looked a little bit thin in the front court they've had some problems defending bigs this season without the likes of Dwight Howard. So again, he's been serviceable when Joel Embiid has been hurt. And again, with Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons only averaging at this point, he's only averaging about what, 14 points, 13 points a game. And they're still able to win, which just tells you how he's able to impact the game with his passing. And of course with his defense and what he's able to do guarding multiple positions. So for the Philadelphia 76ers, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, I think, between them and the Brooklyn Nets going back and forth. Uh, and, again, it's going to be – it could be a finals preview maybe. Obviously, I think your Boston yeah. Celtics have something to say about that. Uh, I'm sure the Milwaukee Bucks. And even though the Miami Heat have kind of started off slow, Jimmy Butler's back now. So, with them at full strength, I'm sure they'll be back up there towards the top five. So, again, Kelly Bright – a modern day Nostradamus at this point right now with her (laughs) choice uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers. And on that note, we will wrap things up for Kelly Bright. I am Andrew Posadas telling all hoop fans enjoy the season, be safe, be healthy, continue enjoying the NBA season right now. Until next time, this has been Pick and Pod and Pick and Pod, of course, is a production of WFUV Sports.